0: Okay. Uh, my name's George Hopkins from Grace Fellowship. I'm excited to be here with you this morning. Uh, I always like to start this way, because sometimes when I speak at my own church and at other churches, um, I'll, I'll ask questions of people, and they won't respond to me as if I'm invisible. So I might ask you a question, and if I do, can you answer me? Can you answer me? Yes. That was a test drive right there. Okay. I like to do that. Second thing is a man named C.S. Lewis, anybody heard C.S. Lewis before? He has this quote, he said, words are like money. He said, too many words bring inflation, right? Cause money, if you have too much money, every dollar loses its value. And so I don't like to talk too long because every word that you, I wanna say, I wanna have purpose. So this is what I wanna do. Can I do this, Joel, are you ready? This is what I wanna do. Uh, I wanna see if we can turn the fan off, okay? And I will be quiet before you lose five pounds of sweat. <laughs> is that a deal? I got a few people. I got enough hands. I know I will be quick. I promise you I'll be quick, but I just believe that the words I have hopefully will be good. John, I'm, I'm sorry, John. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You're, you're, you can uh, go back to the old day and, and, and wave, fold a piece of paper. Is everybody okay with that? I don't want you to be too uncomfortable, but I also don't want to uh, wrestle with that fan, and I'll promise to be brief. Are we, we deal? Got a deal? Same page? Okay. Uh, can I start with prayer, please? All right. Father in heaven, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for your people. I thank you that you've created each of us with a purpose. You have fashioned us to fulfill the purpose that you have called us to accomplish. So now I ask that your spirit would accomplish your work in the hearts of your people. Take these feeble words and accomplish eternal work in our hearts, in our lives, and in our minds. In Jesus' name, Amen. So I want to talk to you today. Uh, the title is called In and Through. I want to talk to you today about a guy named Joseph. Just show of hands, who's heard of Joseph before? Who's heard his story? Okay, I'm going to just go through it again for you quickly and, and briefly. Uh, but Joseph was a young boy. He was a, man, he was a son, and he had many, many brothers. And it says that Joseph was in Canaan with his dad. Anybody ever heard of a place called Canaan before? Okay, I'm going to reference that a little bit later. So Joseph was a 17-year-old boy, and he had brothers who had other moms, and so he didn't quite get along with them. So at one point it says in the Scriptures in Genesis, it says that Joseph actually went to his father with a bad report about his brother. So it was like he tattletale. You remember that growing up? Like, don't tell on me you tattletale, right? He was a tattletale. So that was one reason why his brothers might not like him, but it goes a little bit further than that. Joseph then has a dream, and here's the dream. He has a dream that there are sheaves, and they all bow down, and he interprets it this way. One day, all my brothers, all 11 of them, will bow down to me. That's pretty awesome. And he goes and he tells them. So his brothers then don't like him a little bit more. Like, not only does he tell on us, but then he comes to us and he tells us that we're going to bow down to him one day. Not only that, he has a second dream. I mean, Joseph is just living the life. 17 years old, has a second dream, and a second dream is the same exact thing. Not only will my brothers bow down to me, but so will my mother and my dad. I mean, that is. But he doesn't just keep it inside himself. What do you think he does? he goes and tell. I got to tell people, right? If somebody told you that you were going to be serving them and they're younger than you, how would you feel about that, right? So his brothers, it didn't sit well, too well with him. But I love in the scriptures, it says this, that when Joseph told this to his family, his brothers got upset, but his dad pondered these things in his heart. He thought about those. Anybody ever hear that before? In the scriptures, it says when Mary was told that she was going to give birth to a son without having any intercourse, she was like, hmm, and she pondered those things, in the heart, that's some maturity right there. But Joseph didn't have maturity. He was 17. So he had a dream, and he told everybody. So his brothers were upset with him. And then one day, his, brother, his, his father said, go out to your brothers, take them some food. He goes out. His brothers see him coming. They're like, there's that Joseph who tells on us, who tells us if we're going to bow down to him. Let's throw him in a pit. They wanted to kill him. But one of the brothers said, let's not kill him. Let's just throw him into a pit. So they throw him into a pit. They take off his cloak. They go to his dad and act like Joseph died. This is a hot mess right now. Anybody know what a hot mess is? Oh, yeah. A mess is a mess. It's not all good. But a hot mess is like a mess times five. This is a hot mess. Joseph, who had all these dreams that awesome things would happen in his life, is all of a sudden in a pit. So he's there, and then some people are coming by, and his brother's are like, you know what? Let's sell him to this person. So he sell that brother off, and Joseph, who had these awesome dreams about what he would be one day, is now a slave. And he's doing great. He's as a slave. He's like, I'm just going to serve. He just serves, and he serves, and he serves, and he does his best in his service, and he does it so much so that his boss loves him and trusts him and says, I'm going to put everything under Joseph's rule. Joseph does everything right, everything right. He's growing. He's maturing. He realizes maybe I shouldn't have been so proud in the beginning. I'm growing. I'm humbled. But then his boss's wife comes to him and says, Joseph, you're a hard worker, Joseph. Not only are you are a hard worker, but you are mighty attractive, too. Joseph, husband's gone. We're here alone, right? Let's make some music. <laughs> Joseph says, "No!" And Joseph runs. But she reaches for him, and she takes part of his cloak off. And when her husband comes back, she lies on Joseph. Joseph tried to come and be with me, and so her husband isn't too happy about that. Who do you think he's going to believe, the wife or the slave? He believes it's the wife. So he goes to Joseph, who once again has done nothing wrong. And he takes Joseph, the slave, and he puts Joseph, the slave, into prison. Joseph, who's done nothing wrong, who had this awesome dream of what he would be one day, has now went from being a slave to being in prison. I just can't fathom how you felt in the midst of that. You ever been, let me, let me stop right here to make this a little personal. Have you ever felt like you endured things that you didn't deserve or earn? Been in some places once in a while where you're like, how in the world did I get here? I've been trying to do everything right, and here's another pitfall. In case you haven't felt, been there before, this is where Joseph, if you've been there before, you can understand how Joseph feels. He's in prison now. Gosh, what have I done wrong? And as he's in prison, there's some guys who end up coming there. And once again, Joseph's working hard. He does everything right. And a guy who's over to prison believes Joseph. He thinks Joseph is a great worker. He puts Joseph in charge of everything. There's some guys that come in, and they have some dreams. They don't know what those dreams mean, but Joseph knows dreams, right? He had two. He interpreted them himself, and they were all about people bowing down to him. So Joseph comes to them. He says, let me tell you what these dreams mean. Joseph is honest. He says to one, man, you're going to get out of jail. You're going to go serve Pharaoh again. It's going to be awesome. The guy's like, that is good. And the other guy's like, tell me mine. Tell me mine. It's going to be good. He's like, you're going to (laughs) die. He's still a little blunt. He's still a little honest. So what what he said about their dreams actually ended up happening. But when the guy who was freed and went to serve Pharaoh, he said, I will not forget you, Joseph. But he gets there, he gets back into the wealth, he gets back into the comfort, and he forgets Joseph. Joseph, with all the dreams, with all the potential, with the big future, is still in prison. And then one day, Pharaoh has a dream, and he's thinking, I want somebody to interpret this dream for me. But nobody in the land can do it. And all of a sudden, that God thinks, I know somebody who can do that. There's a guy, I was supposed to remember, who I forgot about, but that's all past. But there's a guy who interpreted my dream. And so they get Joseph. Joseph interprets the Pharaoh's dream. And then Joseph then becomes the second command under Pharaoh. And here's what's so awesome. Joseph, knew that, uh, he knew that there would be a famine. So what he did is he conserved the grain so that they could get through the difficult times. This is what I love about Joseph right here. I wish we had a Joseph in America before 2008. If we'd have had a Joseph in the, as a politician who would have known some tough times were coming and who could have conserved some things so they can distribute it in difficult times, we would be blessed. We need a Joseph. Right? But this is the story of Joseph. It's a hard story. And why I wanted to share it today, God put it in my heart. One, a lot of us can can associate with that. But there's some parts in there that you might not get, that you might not understand. Because you know, we get into places where we say, God, why did you put us in this? You know, I grew up in South Baltimore. I grew up in a place called Cary Hill. It's a pretty rough neighborhood. I grew up, you grew up in Cary Hill too? No, I oh. Teach, I teach Where? Lakeland. Lakeland, yeah. I didn't go to Lakeland, but I know about Lakeland. I grew up in everything that characterizes what inner city Cary Hill would be. I grew up in an abusive household. Even though we went to church every single week, my mom's boyfriend was an alcoholic, and he was physically and verbally abusive to my family. Life was hard. And it was one of those things I'd be sitting there like, why am I going through this? I go to church, I do everything right, but yet life is hard hard right life is different now a little bit different i got a college degree i have a job my wife and i are trying to make things work you know and then the, we building up a savings we're getting some savings and then we take the car to the dealership this week let me give you something honest and here with well, this week here's our car we can see the old change they call us back uh, you haven't been here in a while no because we haven't had the money well you have a bill of 1800 dollars what? what can we not get done uh there's nothing that you can't get done in your car everything is important your engine's going to fall out your car if you don't get it fixed I call my wife what do we have in savings uh that wipes out our savings and more wow aren't we doing everything right though we're saving we're trying to hold things tightly but here we are again and for me it was a reminder of where i grew up it's like here we go again here i am again but here's what i want you to see i want to i want to read these scriptures for you from Gen- from genesis about joseph's story genesis chapter 39 read this for you genesis chapter 39 verse 2 it says this the lord was with joseph and he was a successful man and he was in the house of his master the egyptian so this is the time that joseph was a slave it says the lord was with joseph and his master saw that the lord was with him and that the lord made all that joseph did to prosper him so joseph found favor in sight of the one he served And then his master made him overseer of his house, and all that he had, he put under the authority of Joseph. Here's the thing. God was with Joseph. Scriptures wanted us to clearly get that and not miss that. In the midst of all of this mess, this hot mess, God was with Joseph. Sometimes we have this part of us, and if I can encourage you in one thing, we have this part that God's will is all the good. And once something hard comes, it's outside of God's will. I want to encourage you in this that even times when things come difficult our god is so big he has the capacity for suffering he has purpose even in the midst of our pains and even in the midst of our trials so it says when joseph was a slave even though he didn't deserve it the scriptures declare that god was with him and joseph was a good steward he stewarded over things and so then he goes to prison. This is what it says for him in prison. It says in Genesis chapter 39, verse 20, while he's in prison, it says, Then Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, a place where the king's prisoners were confined, and he was there in the prison. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand again. All the prisoners who were in the prison, whatever they did there, it was his doing. The keeper of the prison did not look into anything that was under Joseph's authority because the Lord was with him. And whatever Joseph did, whether he was a slave or whether he was in prison, prospered. Whatever he did because God was with him. Here's the beautiful thing. Wherever Joseph was, God allowed him to prosper. God was with him. And God gave him this gift of stewardship. So when he was a slave, his master said, I'm putting put you over everything because whatever you steward, multiplies he goes to prison. The, prisoner, the, the, the guy over the prison says, I'm putting you in charge of everything because whatever you touch multiplies. You are a great steward and God is with you. Here's what I want you to get. When Joseph was in prison, what do you think the one thing he wanted? What do you think he wanted? He just wanted to get out, right? He just wanted to get out. Some, we know the end of the story. Let's not act like we don't. We know the end of the story. Joseph gets out and he works for the Pharaoh. He didn't want all of that. He just wanted to get out, and sometimes we say, God, I don't see what you're planning. Won't you show me why you put me through this? Because you can't even imagine what I'm preparing you for. You can't even fathom what I'm doing in you and building up inside of you for you to do in this world. You just want to get out of prison, Joseph, but I want you to be the second in command of the entire place called Egypt. Here's why. When he was put in that position, he stewarded. He was given command over all the grain. He was a steward, but he was a steward before he had that position, right? He was a steward when he was a slave. He was a steward when he was a prisoner. And then when he was given authority, he was a steward. God was always with him. God always had a purpose for him. And I want to encourage you today, whatever your pitfalls have been, are, or will be, that God is with you and he's preparing you and the very things that He's doing inside of you, He desires to also do through you, and you can't even fathom what your future holds because it's bigger than what you can even anticipate. I never thought that I would be doing and living and having the family that I have when I was in my my, my household, my mom. All I thought was, I just want to stop getting hit. I just want to have some water that is hot when it comes out the sink. I just wanted the small things. And God said, George, I am preparing you. Those nights that you cried, those nights that you felt like you had nothing else, I was with you. I look back and I'm like, I didn't feel like he was. But he was with me. Here's the beautiful, beautiful thing. That's Joseph's story. What's yours? Sometimes we only see our story. Can I take it a little bit bigger? I want to start. I want to... I'm a, I want to mess with your mind today. Can I do that? I want to blow your mind. I'm going to make the story a little bit bigger. Can I do that? Yeah. Joseph was in Canaan. Remember, we started that. Now, when he was in Canaan, his family ended up coming to him, and they bowed before him. They didn't know who he was. They came to him because they were in need of grain. It was a famine. And so when they really found out who Joseph was, his family, his brothers, his entire family moved from Canaan and moved to Egypt because that was the place that they had grain because of Joseph's stewardship. Here's the awesome thing you ever hear the story of the promised land right anybody ever heard this israel israel were a group of people god's people who were slaves in egypt moses was called to go he freed them they walked and they left and they went into the wilderness and joshua took them over into the promised land you know where the promised land was anybody know canaan here's an awesome thing what god did in that brief period of joseph's life was part of god's will for the history of his people because joseph's father's name was jacob anybody know jacob's other name Israel. So Jacob, Israel, moved to Egypt because his son was there. They multiplied, and they didn't become just a person. They became a people. They didn't just become a people. They became a nation, and as a nation, God took them out of slavery and took them to the promised land. So not only did God have a purpose for Joseph's immediate life, he was using Joseph for his eternal story. Isn't that awesome? So your story that you have to trust God in, in the midst of his difficulty, is a little bit more than just you. It's even about generations that are yet to come. Can I make it even crazier? So you had Joseph. That's a personal story. Then you have the history of the people of God in that. I want to take it now to eternity. You ever hear those, those four letters, WWJD? What do those stand for? What would Jesus do? I want to push you a little bit further. I'm going to say, let's not even so what would Jesus do, but what is Jesus doing? Because he's still alive and well and he lives and dwells inside of you if you have received him as your savior. What is he doing in your life? And this is why this is important. You know, Jesus, Jesus existed from the beginning of time. I hope you understand. I don't want to mess you up too much. But if you read John 1, it says, then the beginning was the word, the word was God, the word was with God. Who was that word? It was Jesus, right? Who is the perfect reflection of who God is? Jesus. So if anybody gives their entire life to God, who do you think he's going to be molded after? He or she will be molded after? Jesus. Before he came and after he came. That's why I don't mess you up. The reason Joseph, when he gave his life fully to God, even though he had pride, when God was using him and God was with him, he began to use Joseph in such a way that it would also tell of the life that would come in Jesus Christ. Because here's the thing. He was persecuted by the very people that he would save. He was pushed into slavery and pushed into prison by the very people who would need him, Joseph, for salvation. And then you look at Jesus Christ, the very people who needed him for salvation were the very ones who crucified him. As you draw closer to Christ and he lives inside of you, it's not so much about what he did, it's about what is he doing inside of you. And your life, when he works inside of you, cannot stop from reflecting his purpose, from reflecting his character. So what am I saying? I don't want to wrap up with this because I'm starting to sweat a little bit. Here we go. This is what I'm saying. Two things. It's twofold. One, I pray and hope that you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And if you do, it's not so much about you imitating him. It's about him imparting himself inside of you. You being conformed into his image. And as you do that, you don't have to say, I wish I could do that. I need to strive to do that. You begin to ask for his work to just be accomplished inside of you. Anybody different, beautiful things. You make beautiful things. Out of the dust, you don't tell me to make myself. You make me new. You are continuing to make me new. Paul says, Timothy says to Timothy in 2 Timothy. Paul is his mentor. He's saying to Timothy, he says, fulfill. Your ministry. Can I blow your mind one more? This is, a, this is a brief blow. Can I blow it? Brief one. Brief one. <laughs> Fulfill your ministry. Some of us, we, we fall into this, and I fall into it sometimes. We try to create ministry. We come in, hey, yo, I want to help. I want to serve. All right, what do you want to do? Uh, uh, I just got to figure something out. I want to just do anything. I want to create something. I got to figure. I want to give you another perspective. The God who knew that you would be born and raised in Baltimore who knew that you would be born in a time such as this when there would be recession and there would be a lot of fear, he knew that this would be a time in which you would live. That he has already created and fashioned you for a purpose. And it's not you creating your own purpose, but you just simply fulfilling the one that has already been planted out for you. It's like if this was mud and there were already footprints and God said, George, I've already laid out your footsteps. I just want you to walk in them. I just want you to fulfill them because now it's not about me, it's all about him, and if you have a will for me, all I need to do is know you and say, God, where do you want me to walk? God had a will for Joseph. He gave it to him in a dream, but it didn't come like that. Amen? Joseph didn't know it was going to take slavery in prison to get him there, but it was there, and here was Joseph, and then there was a journey of him fulfilling what God had already ordained. Each of us have been fashioned, created, designed, for a purpose, dare I say that your circumstances, your hurts and your pains and your disappointments have not disqualified you from that. To say that it does is to say that our God is too weak to restore and to redeem even the darkest of dark in the pits, even those who have been furthest away. And I would say to you, no, he is not. If you knew my story, you knew mine, you would know he's not. So your relationship with Christ. The other thing I want to encourage you in, Is whatever he's doing in you, he wants to also do through you. Whatever he's doing in you, he desires to do through you. You See, Joseph learned how to be a steward in difficult times. He learned how to be a steward as a slave. He learned how to be a steward as a prisoner. And then there was a time when he was put over an entire nation, and he learned how to steward through difficult times. Joseph, if he hadn't gone through that fire, and his faith faith be proven genuine, would not have been able to lead a nation through a difficult time time what he's doing in you he desires to also do through you you know there's something called church history you know the garden has a church history whenever joel and his wife came up here and started this church and maybe i'll be here for 25 years 30 years who by god's grace y'all be here for to the end of your days and there's a church history but i want to encourage you joel and this body that you don't just have a church history, but that your history will be part of Bolton Hill's history. You see, there's too many opportunities where we can read church history and not know what's going on in the world. Can I be honest with y'all? I love reading about history. I love it. I'm a nerd. So one thing I've learned as I grew up in the hood and I was an athlete, I didn't know I was a nerd. And I got older, I'm like, I'm a nerd. And I got to accept myself for that. I'm a nerd. It took me a while to figure that out, right? But this is who God's created me to be. I love reading history. And at first I started reading about revival because I love revival. And I would read about the 1800s and Charles Finney, and I'd read it, and all I could think as an African-American man, this is awesome! Where are my people? What was—because I want to go back there. I want to go back, but then I go back, I'm like, oh, I wouldn't be in that church, though, know? you know? Like, let me be real with myself. And, and I'm thinking, as all this awesomeness is happening in the church, what is happening in the world? As this is happening in the northeast of America and in, in Chicago, what is happening— the slaves so i wrestled with that so then i moved and i've grown i've loved reading just history 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 and i want to get to this point where you know you can't read the history of egypt without hearing about moses or joseph because joseph led egypt through a difficult time why am i saying this As God does that work in you and through you, it's not just in these walls, it's outside of these walls. It's outside of these walls so that when the history of Bolton Hill is said, it cannot be spoken, it cannot be said, it cannot be declared apart from the impact that the garden church has for the glory of God upon this community. Don't just stay in these walls? They have two different histories from this community. Here's the history of Bolton Hill. Here's the history of the garden. But as God works in Bolton Hill, in, in the garden, it will impact. He's doing whatever he's doing in here because it's what he desires to do out these walls. And I desire, my heart and prayer for you is that whenever Bolton Hill's history is told, they can't tell about the schools. They can't tell about the system. They can't tell about the families without mentioning the garden. Because you can't read history, the history of the world, without reading about Joseph. Daniel served kings. People who might not believe in Christ as Lord, but they can't deny him that he was here because he was an, in the world, impacting the world for God's glory. And he has created each of us to do a work in us and also to do a work through us. Amen? Was that brief? Nobody sweating too hard? No? I want to pray for us. Uh, anybody who wants to plug up the fan so people don't fall out, you can do that. Uh, but let me allow me to pray for us. Father in heaven, I thank you that you are with us in the good times and in the difficult times. I thank you that you have given us a purpose that we have not fully seen yet, and I pray that today you would give us a hope and a faith to move towards what you have promised and prophesied about us. Father, I pray for this body here, that what you do inside these walls will leave a deep imprint of your love in this community. So Father, I pray for your people, that we would learn from the story of Joseph, that even in the difficult times, you are with us. Whatever you've called us to be, whether it is to be a worship leader, whether it is to be a teacher, whether it is to be a business person, whether it is to be a nurse, that we would do that well in the midst of difficulty and in the midst of comfort and that the character of Christ will be fulfilled in each of us. In Jesus' name, amen.